Book the Fifth, Part Four of A Laodicea by Thomas Hardy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Book the Fifth, Part Four. He found them in their sitting room with their bonnets on, as if they had just come in. Mr. Power was also present, reading a newspaper, but Mrs. Goodman had gone out to a neighbouring shop, in the windows of which she had seen something which attracted her fancy. When Distancy entered, Paula's thoughts seemed to revert to Dare, for almost at once she asked him in what direction the youth was travelling. With some hesitation, Distancy replied that he believed Mr. Dare was returning to England after a spring trip for the improvement of his mind. "'A very praiseworthy thing to do,' said Paula. "'What places has he visited?' "'Those which afford opportunities for the study of the old masters, I believe,' said Distancy blandly. He has also been to Turin, Genoa, Marseille, and so on. The captain spoke the more readily to her questioning, and that he had divined her words to be dictated not by any suspicions of his relations with Dare, but by her knowledge of Dare as the draughtsman employed by Somerset. "'Has he been to Nice?' she next demanded. "'Did he go there in company with my architect?' "'I think not.' "'Has he seen anything of him?' My architect Somerset once employed him. They know each other. I think he saw Somerset for a short time. Paula was silent. Do you know where this young man Dare is at the present moment? She asked quickly. Stancy said that Dare was staying at the same hotel with themselves, and that he believed he was downstairs. I think I could do no better than send for him, said she. He may be able to throw some light upon the matter of that telegram. He rang and dispatched the waiter for the young man in question, Distancy almost visibly trembling for the result. But he opened the town directory which was lying on a table, and affected to be engrossed in the names. Before Dare was shown in, she said to her uncle, "'Perhaps you will speak to him for me?' Mr. Parr, looking up from the paper he was reading, assented to her proposition. Dare appeared in the doorway, and the waiter retired. Dare seemed a trifle startled out of his usual coolness, the message having evidently been unexpected, and he came forward somewhat uneasily. Mr. Dare, we are anxious to know something of Miss Parr's architect, and Captain Distancy tells us you have seen him lately, said Mr. Parr, sonorously, over the edge of his newspaper. Not knowing whether danger menaced or not, or, if it menaced, from what quarter it was to be expected, Dare felt that honesty was as good as anything else for him, and replied boldly that he had seen Mr. Somerset, Distancy continuing to cream and mantle almost visibly in anxiety of the situation of the speaker. "'And where did you see him?' continued Mr. Parr. "'In the casino at Monte Carlo.' "'How long did you see him?' "'Only for half an hour. I left him there.' Paula's interest got the better of her reserve, and she cut in upon her uncle, did he seem in any unusual state or in trouble? He was rather excited, said Dare. And can you remember when that was? Dare considered, looked at his pocket-book, and said that it was on the evening of April the 22nd. The answer had a significance for Paula, Distancy, and Charlotte, to which Abnapar was a stranger. The telegraphic request for money, which had been kept a secret from him by his niece, because of his already unfriendly tone towards Somerset, arrived on the morning of the 23rd, a date which neighboured with painfully suggestive nicety upon that now given by Dare. 
he seemed to be silenced, and asked no more questions. Dare, having furbished himself up to a gentlemanly appearance with some of his recent winnings, was invited to stay on a while by Paula's uncle, who, as became a travelled man, was not fastidious as to company. Being a youth of the world, Dare made himself agreeable to that gentleman, and afterwards tried to do the same with Mr. Stancy. At this, the captain, to whom the situation for some time had been amazingly uncomfortable, pleaded some excuse for going out, and left the room. Dare continued his endeavours to say a few polite nothings to Charlotte de Stancy, in the course of which he drew from his pocket his new silk handkerchief. By some chance a card came out with the handkerchief and fluttered downwards. His momentary instinct was to make a grasp at the card and conceal it, but it had already tumbled to the floor, where it lay face upward beside Charlotte de Stancy's chair. It was neither a visiting nor a playing card, but one bearing a photographic portrait of a peculiar nature. It was what Dare had characterised as his best joke in speaking on the subject to Captain de Stancy. He had in the morning put it ready in his pocket to give to the captain, and had in fact held it in waiting between his finger and thumb while talking to him on the platz, meaning that he should make use of it against his rival whenever convenient. But his sharp conversation with that soldier had dulled his zest for this final joke at Somerset's expense, had at least shown him that de Stancy would not adopt the joke by accepting the photograph and using it himself, and determined him to lay it aside till a more convenient time. So fully had he made up his mind on this course, that when the photograph slipped out, he did not at first perceive the appositeness of the circumstance in putting into his own hands the role he had intended for de Stancy. Though it was asserted afterwards that the whole scene was deliberately planned, However, once having seen the accident, he resolved to take the current as it served. The card having fallen beside her, Mr. Stancy glanced over it, which indeed she could not help doing. The smile that had previously hung upon her lips was arrested as if by frost, and she involuntarily uttered a little distressed cry of, Oh! like one in bodily pain. Paula, who had been talking to her uncle during this interlude, started round, and, wondering what had happened, inquiringly crossed the room to poor Charlotte's side, asking her what was the matter. Charlotte had regained self-possession, though not enough to enable her to reply, and Paula asked her a second time what had made her exclaim like that. Mr. Stancy still seemed confused, whereupon Paula noticed that her eyes were continually drawn, as if by fascination, towards the photograph on the floor, which, contrary to his first impulse, Dare, as Pasbeam said, now seemed in no hurry to regain. Surmising at last that the card, whatever it was, had something to do with the exclamation, Paula picked it up. It was a portrait of Somerset, but by a device known in photography, the operator, though contriving to produce what seemed to be a perfect likeness, had given it the distorted features and wild attitude of a man advanced in intoxication. No woman, unless specially cognizant of such possibilities, could have looked upon it and doubted that the photograph was a genuine illustration of a customary phase in the young man's private life. Paula observed it, thoroughly took it in, but the effect upon her was by no means clear. Charlotte's eyes at once forsook the portrait to dwell on Paula's face. It paled a little, and this was followed by a hot blush, perceptibly a blush of shame. That was all. 
she flung the picture down on the table and moved away. It was now Mr. Power's turn. Anticipating Dare, who was advancing with a deprecatory look to seize the photograph, he also grasped it. When he saw whom it represented, he seemed both amused and startled, and after scanning it a while, handed it to the young man with a queer smile. "'I'm very sorry,' began Dare in a low voice to Mr. Parr. "'I fear I was to blame for thoughtlessness in not destroying it. "'But I thought it was rather funny that a man should permit such a thing to be done, "'and that the humour would redeem the offence.' "'In you for purchasing it,' said Paula, with haughty quickness from the other side of the room, "'though probably his friends, if he has any, would say not in him.' There was silence in the room after this, and Dare, finding himself rather in the way, took his leave as unostentatiously as a cat that has upset the family china, though he continued to say among his apologies that he was not aware Mr. Somerset was a personal friend of the ladies. Of all the thoughts which filled the minds of Paula and Charlotte de Stancy, the thought that the photograph might have been a fabrication was probably the last. To them that picture of Somerset had all the cogency of direct vision. Paula's experience, much less Charlotte's, had never laid in the fields of heliographic science, and they would have soon have thought that the sun could again stand still upon Gibeon, as that it could be made to falsify men's characters in delineating their features. What Abner Power thought, he himself best knew. He might have seen such pictures before, or he might never have heard of them. While pretending to resume his reading, he closely observed Paula, as did also Charlotte de Stancy. But thanks to the self-management which was Miss Power's as much by nature as by art, she dissembled whatever emotion was in her. "'It is a pity a professional man should make himself so ludicrous,' she said, with such careless intonation that it was almost impossible, even for Charlotte, who knew her so well, to believe her indifference feigned. "'Yes,' said Mr. Power, since Charlotte did not speak, "'it is what I scarcely should have expected.' "'Oh, I am not surprised,' said Paula quickly. "'You don't know all.' The inference was indeed inevitable, that if our uncle was made aware of the telegram, he would see nothing unlikely in the picture. "'Well, you are very silent,' continued Paula petulantly, when she found that nobody went on talking. "'What made you cry out, oh, Charlotte, when Mr. Dare dropped that horrid photograph?' "'I don't know. I suppose it frightened me,' stammered the girl. It was a stupid fuss to make before such a person. One would think you were in love with Mr. Somerset. What did you say, Paula? inquired her uncle, looking up from the newspaper which he had again resumed. Nothing, Uncle Abner. He walked to the window, and, as if to tide over what was plainly passing in their minds about her, she began to make remarks on objects in the street. What a quaint being! Look, Charlotte! was an old woman sitting by a stall on the opposite side of the way, which seemed suddenly to hit Paul's sense of the humorous, though beyond the fact that the dame was old and poor and wore a white handkerchief over her head, there was really nothing noteworthy about her. Paula seemed to be more hurt by what the silence of her companions implied, a suspicion that the discovery of Somerset's depravity was wounding her heart, than by the wound itself. The ostensible ease with which she drew them into a by-conversation had perhaps the defect of proving too much, though her tacit contention that no love was in question 
was not incredible on the supposition that affronted pride alone caused her embarrassment. The chief symptom of her heart being really tender towards Somerset consisted in her apparent blindness to Charlotte's secret, so obviously suggested by her momentary agitation. End of Book the Fifth, Part Four